You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) Thanks. The title of our service today is Ordinary Blessings. I didn't actually have to sneeze, but I appreciate your, your willingness to bless me, which I, I don't know how much you actually meant it. I mean, I mean, I think you love me, and we do say that, right? If someone sneeze, sneezes, uh, we say, bless you. And isn't that an interesting phrase, like to give someone a blessing? Certainly they might need it. I mean, maybe they have a cold or, or I don't know, allergic to something. But to sneeze, um, I don't know, it, it evokes a, a blessing. And <clears throat> there's so many times in our lives that I think we do need to actually practice this. Like, I think we should bless people. And what Paul says this later um, Uh, Caleb read for us this passage out of Romans chapter 4 about Abraham and about the blessing that was on Abraham and what that means for us. And we'll get to to that in a second. But later, later in Romans, Paul will say, look, even people who persecute you, you should bless them. Like, bless and do not curse. Like, it's easy to curse. And we all do it. I mean, maybe, maybe some of you don't. Most of us do it, you know, sometimes. We get frustrated and we, we, we swear or we use a curse word and we, I don't know, we do it kind of flippantly. And, so, and sometimes we even ask, uh, uh, our phrases anyway, are suggesting that we're asking God to, to damn something, to, to curse something. But we probably should kind of uh, lighten up a bit on that. And not just the practice in some kind of, I don't know, some kind of passive way, but actually engage in the process of blessing one another, uh, blessing our children, blessing our friends, blessing our church, blessing those we work with, blessing our neighbors, like practice it. So in this ordinary time this summer, we have this series called The New Ordinary, and part of this idea is to actually engage and to embody our faith, right? Our faith is not just something in our heads, and it's not just something that we do on Sundays. In fact, what is in our heads, what we think about the faith, and what we do on Sundays is like the tip of an iceberg. It's that little bit that's easy to see. But the bulk of the iceberg, the bulk of faith, is what we do on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. It's what we do in the mornings. It's what we do in the evenings. It is in our everyday life. It is in the ordinary. So last week we talked about ordinary creation. And there's a passage, part of this passage. It says that we worship the one who can create things out of nothing. Who can kind of speak things into existence. And I want to I hold on to that thread, too. It, it connects us back to last week. And it's also going to be something about the way in which our God blesses. Like, God can bless things that are dead. He can, like, 
He can even bring the dead back to life. Now that's a blessing. So if things have not worked out for you in some kind of aspect of your life, in some part of your life, you'll be amazed what God might be able to do for you in the future. To, to quote the prophet Joel, the, year, the Lord can return to us the years the cankerworm has eaten. Um, in fact, I'm going to share a, a little testimony with you. And I've, I've shared this before, but it's been years ago. But um, I'm, maybe it's because I'm coming up on a particular age. <laughs> and um, it's going to be an anniversary where in my life I will have reached a point that I've lived as long without my dad as I did with my dad. My dad died when I was 26 in a car accident. And it'll be 26 years um, this fall that that happened. And so, I mean, you can do the math. I'll be 52. Just in case you're bad at math and you were trying to do it, I don't want you to get distracted, and so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. And so, but when that happened to me as a 26-year-old, I was already out of seminary. I was working on a PhD, and it really rocked me. And I mean, emotionally, right, it was awful, but spiritually it was hard. Financially it was hard. I was still kind of a a late bloomer, right? Um, I hadn't utterly failed to launch, but I was still very much still in need of that kind of support. And it just, it spun me out. I was in a dark place. And if you had asked me the fall of 19, um, what year is that, 1996, if I believed in God, if I was honest, I probably would have said, I don't know. I don't know there is a God. And it, it was a difficult time. And a woman came into my life. Uh, the church that I was at uh, had a revival, and there were a lot of kind of new converts. And the church asked me to teach the new convert Sunday school class, which was a, you know, a logical choice. I was, a, I was a Ph.D. student in New Testament, and why not, why not have Robbie teach the class? I mean, Robbie doesn't know if God exists, but he certainly is qualified, <laughs> at least in some ways, Right? So I'm teaching this Sunday school class, and there's this kind of handful of, uh, of, of new converts. And in particular, there was this uh, woman. Her name's Wanda. That is her name. I didn't change the name to protect the innocent. But Wanda's faith was so, so uh, tangible. I mean, she, she believed in ways that, I don't know, I'd read about in the Bible, but... I just didn't see many people believing it. Like, it had, had affected her everyday life, right? Her ordinary life was kind of just infused now with the presence of God. And she was reading the Bible all the time, and she called me up when she had a question. Um, uh, she, she called up, she, she had read a, a word, um, it was fornication, although she pronounced it fornification. And so she called me, she goes, Robbie, what? Do you know what fornication means? I said, well, I guess it's a, you know, it could be interpreted a couple of different ways, but it has something to do with sex and whether or not you're married. And, how, you know, and at that time, without exaggeration, Wanda had been married five times and was currently living with a man who was not her husband. You can imagine the phone call I got when she read John chapter 4. <laughs> the woman at the well... So I told her that, and she kind of went home, and she told, she told her boyfriend that he had to move out. I mean, they got married a few weeks later, and he moved back in, but 
I mean, she, again, her, she was very tangible with her faith. So it was, it was a few years later, and she was kind of a known entity. We lived, it was a small town in East Tennessee. People kind of knew her. She had a successful business, but she also had a bit of a reputation, right? And so when she had come to faith, it was kind of a thing. Wanda Beck became a Christian? Wow. You know, what's going to happen next? And so I, I attended this women's conference, which is an interesting thing for me to attend. And it was, it was well attended. There was like 300 people there, 299 women and me. And Wanda was the speaker. She was the keynote speaker. And she framed her whole talk around that passage out of Joel, that the Lord could return to you the years the cankerworm is eaten. And she was going through all these different things these things that she had lost in her life, and she had really been through a lot. I mean, sexual abuse, uh, foster care, sexual abuse in foster care, um, a time as a prostitute, a time experienced homelessness, uh, abuse in, in multiple marriages. I mean, she really had been through a lot. And I remember her telling me that she always thought that she could never become a Christian because she thought if you've broken all Ten Commandments, like, you're just out. That would be it for you. And I'm like, Wanda, I don't think hyperbole is really going to be helpful here. <laughs> and she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you, don't exaggerate. Like, you haven't broken all Ten Commandments. She says, I have. I said, well, who have you murdered? And she told me stories about how in the late 60s, um, she would perform abortions for her friends because they weren't available. And then, in 1971, she was pregnant with what would have been her second child and what would have been her only son. And she had talked a friend kind of through that abortion. So I'd heard that story before. But again, this was years later, a few years later. And I'm at that, that conference, and she's telling the story and she's framing again around this idea that God can return to us the years that the canker worm has eaten. And she said God had returned to her everything she had ever lost, including her lost son. And she told that story. And she said, God gave me my son back to me, and he's here with me today. It was me. I was born in 1971. I was born that same year that she experienced that and that somehow she felt that God had kind of given her back what she had forfeited. Now, I know that's kind of a, a mystical or spiritual reading of a text, but I think that's where we actually live. We, either we're going to believe this stuff or we're not. We're either going to kind of live it, we're going to practice it, or we're not. And I believe that we actually live in a creation that is good and that God created. And even the most ordinary thing is extraordinary because it comes from God. It is good and it is beautiful and it is true. And I think when it comes to these blessings, look, Abraham was blessed. God chose him and said, I'm going to bless you. And through you, I'm going to end up blessing the world. Now, he does say, those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. But then he says, everyone's going to be blessed. 
And that's just, a, that's just a beautiful idea, that somehow we are a part of Abraham. Now, when Paul's writing about this, when he's writing to the Romans, Paul has started his argument, um, his, his position, earlier in the first three chapters of Romans, talking about sin and talking about how universal it is. So Paul was a universalist when it came to sin, right? That sin affected everything and affected everyone. So we are, we are all participating in it. Well, what if you're Jewish? Well, you've sinned. What if you're not Jewish? Well, you've sinned, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what are we going to do? Well, he says, well, we can look to Father Abraham. Now, for the longest time, the last 500 years or so, we've often read that text, and we've read it kind of like this. Martin Luther was particularly influential on this reading, but we've read it like this, that um, the Jews practiced some form of works righteousness, that they, they obeyed the Torah thinking that obeying the Torah would make them right with God, and, but they actually never pulled that off very well, and so that God offered an alternative plan, which was for Christ to come and kind of die, and now we're justified by faith and not by Torah obedience, or we're justified by faith uh, and not by works. Except that there's no self-respecting rabbi that Paul knew that believed that obeying the Torah made you Jewish. They thought what made you Jewish was that you were born that way, <laughs> and that because you were Jewish, you ought to obey the Torah. But that's a very important difference. There was not a Jew on the planet that believed anything close to works righteousness. That was an argument between Luther and his fellow Catholics at the time. That's not an argument that Paul would have conceived of. How many gods did the Jews believe in? One. There was one God. And who was that one God? He was the one creator of all things. And who had he chosen? He had chosen Abraham. And who had he blessed? He had blessed these descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So they worshiped the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And if you were a descendant of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, if you were in that lineage, then you were part of God's people. So you were justified. You were made right. You were in a relationship with God because of your birth not because you did something. Now, if you were to obey the Torah, you could be blessed, right? You'd be a child of God that was blessed. And if you disobey the Torah, you, you could be punished, right? You'd be a child of God that's being punished. But we understand that our children are our children, whether we're blessing them or cursing them, right? They're still our kids. And so they thought that they were with God, that they were a part of God because they were chosen by God because they had been born that way. And what Paul's, his, what the argument that he's making here is he's tracing that back. Yeah, he goes, yeah, you're Jewish because, you know, your dad and mom are Jewish, and, and they were Jewish because their dad and mom were Jewish, and they were Jewish because their dad and mom are Jewish, and we can work that all the way back to Abraham, but when we get to Abraham, we run into a big problem. Because Abraham's parents weren't Jewish. Abraham was not justified by birth. Abraham was justified by faith. 
And if Abraham was justified by faith, then maybe that's the way we're all justified. The law that we've been given that sets parameters on our lives that helps us live, that leads us towards blessings as opposed to leading us towards cursings, didn't come around for hundreds of years later. So Torah obedience, kind of doing what's right, was never part of the Jewish kind of mindset as to what included you or excluded you. Even when they thought their kind of ultimate exclusion, even when they got to the kind of the worst possible punishment they could experience as a nation, which is the destruction of the nation, the destruction of the temple, and then exile in Babylon, they still felt like, while they were exiles in Babylon, that they were the chosen ones of God. They were the chosen ones of God in exile, but they were still the chosen ones of God. You couldn't get away from that identity. You couldn't get away from that blessing. And that's what he's saying to us here, I think. That we worship the God who can call into existence things that previously didn't exist. Abraham can have children Lots of children. So we teach our kids, I don't know if everybody comes from this tradition, right? But in some kind of children's church experience or vacation Bible school, you were taught that song about Father Abraham. Had many sons and daughters. I don't know if your group said daughters. My family always does because all we have is daughters. <laughs> but Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. And many sons and daughters had Father Abraham and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, Father Abraham. All right. It's a delightful song. And typically, I think, folks who run children's ministries sing it probably for a few reasons. One is to get the energy out for the kids because they got too much pinned-up energy, and it's kind of good for them to move around a bit. Uh, two, it's probably because uh, preachers preach too long. And that they give them, they require too much of them to kind of do that. But here's the point. While that is a kid's song and it can't get out a lot of energy, it has a great message. Because all of us are spiritual descendants of Abraham. We have all been adopted into the family of God. And we have received this blessing. We are living, three-dimensional manifestations of the blessing of Abraham being realized in the world. That because Abraham was God's friend and that God chose to bless Abraham, the whole world now is different. Our new ordinary is what we get to experience because a descendant of Abraham named Jesus of Nazareth came and lived his life and died on a cross and was resurrected and ascended and was enthroned, right? That whole story is the fulfillment of this promise to Abraham. And we now are the beneficiaries. We are blessed because of that. And those who are blessed should become a blessing. Like we know in our, in our Southern culture, we sometimes get so contorted that 
we'll use the word blessing as a cursing. <laughs> right? You've heard somebody say, bless your heart. That's not actually a blessing. They're not blessing your heart. They're cursing you. They're saying that you're dumb or slow or, or that you, you, know, you need help. Not that they're giving it to you. Right? Well, yeah, now you know. So don't use it. But actually use a blessing. Last week when we were talking about ordinary creation, I gave you an assignment. I don't know anybody did it this past week. It's okay. We're not going to take them up. But last week we talked about ordinary creation. I encouraged you to be aware of the life that you are living. Like be present so that if you're out to eat and the server came up, like pause your conversation and actually look at that person that's waiting on you. Like go ahead, when they tell you your name, make an effort to remember it. To, to treat them as a subject, as a person. Or when you're checking out the grocery store, right? To go ahead and, and look at that person in the face, realizing that if Rembrandt had painted a portrait of that person, it would now be worth millions of dollars, right? Like, because they are fearfully, wonderfully made. They are a bearer of God's image and likeness. They are certainly worthy of your attention. So I don't know if you did that or not. But it's okay, because we're still in ordinary time. you got a chance to do it again this week. So this week, we have two assignments. We're going to redo the assignment from last week. That is, we're going to practice ordinary creation and enjoy the sunshine and the rain and the lightning and the thunder and the heat and the humidity. We're going we're to find ways to find God in the everyday, in the ordinary of our lives. But then I also want us to practice some ordinary blessings. When you came in today, you should have received this little booklet called Ordinary Blessings. If you didn't, we have some for you uh, as you leave. I, I want you to take this home. I want you to use it, right? There's all sorts of blessings in here. There's blessings for goodbyes, blessings for a weekend at home, blessings for a meal, blessings for your car, right? Uh, blessings for a house, there are blessings for when you're outside. That kind of fits with last week, too. Blessing for washing the dishes. <laughs> when you wash the dishes, you should wash the dishes. Blessings for going to work. Blessings for waking up in the morning. Blessings for your pet. I know those of you who have pets want to definitely pray that one. And blessings for uh, caring for children. Certainly there are more. And uh, these, these have been curated for you from a couple of different places. So... I don't want you to just, I don't know, hear a sermon and think, oh, that's a good idea, and then just go on about your life. I, I want you to actually practice this. That's the whole point of finding a new ordinary, is that the new ordinary is your life. <laughs> it's your life with God. And bless someone. Keep, keep it. Keep it at home. Read through it. And just think, there'll, there'll be ways. Trust me, trust me on this. If you open up your heart to this idea that not only has God blessed you, but God has blessed you in such a way that you too can become a blessing for others, that you will, you'll find ways to practice it. The, the, the Spirit will move on you and it, it'll become aware of, oh yeah, there is that um, I have a prayer book. It's called Ordinary Blessings. 
And we can pray this. We can pray. There's this particular occasion calls for this prayer. So I'd like for you to do it. And trust me on this. As we do these ordinary practices in this new ordinary, and as we celebrate the ordinary creation and ordinary blessings, I really think that we're going to find ourselves aware of God's beautiful, wonderful presence in our lives. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.